Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second reading this morning, which again you can find in your bulletin and will be the main focus of our meditation, comes to us from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 25 to chapter 5, verse 2. So let us listen now to the word of the Lord. So then putting away falsehood, let us all speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the evil one. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. There's a piece of this scripture reading this morning that really got me thinking, and it has to do with what Paul says in the very opening of this reading, which is to put away all falsehood and to let us all speak truth to one another. I think we have a pretty funny relationship, to be quite honest, with the truth. In the best of times, I think we really cling on to what we think is true, and we brandish it like a weapon to try and humble our foes, our haughty foes, should we say. And in the worst of times, I think we can't push truth far enough away from us. We really do not just encourage then social distancing with the truth, but we like really try to push it away because we don't like what it has to say or what it is it has to show us. 
But no matter how inconvenient the truth or truths are, our trust in Jesus Christ, our faith in Christ, our belief in Christ, which is the action of our faith, calls us to work through whatever truth we find ourselves facing. Whether it's good or bad, easy or difficult to deal with. Because as we hear this morning in our reading from Ephesians, without truth, there's nothing. Without truth, nothing else matters. Especially in the Christian life, nothing else matters if there is no truth. It really should give us something to consider this morning. Especially as we not only consider what our relationship to the truth is, but it also should make us stop and think about where, where it is we are getting truth from. Perhaps offering a little more, a little more context this morning, I'm going to jump back to the good old, well, not good old, the old days, to a little town of Geneva, where we find that John Calvin, a key figure in our Presbyterian history, understood as well that the Christian life didn't add up to anything of significant value without truth. In his commentary on this passage, as it comes from his commentary on Galatians and Ephesians, Calvin says this, that from this head doctrine, that is, from the righteousness of the new person, all godly exhortations flow like streams from a fountain. For if all the precepts which relate to life were collected, yet without this principle of truth, they would be of little value. Yes, without this divine principle of truth, we can add up everything else in our lives that we think is good, but we aren't left with anything or anything of worth in the eyes of God. And certainly whatever moral credit we might think we have with God will certainly not increase, especially if we buy into falsehoods instead of truth. Moreover, this rejection of truth that Paul and Calvin talk about can have some real dire consequences to us both spiritually and physically. It might negatively impact our bodies, might negatively impact our mental health or well-being, might even impact our ability to perceive reality. What's worse, though, is that this rejection of truth might also result in the harming or death of innocence, innocent lives. The truth is the thread that binds us all together. 
as our reading this morning reminds us, as we are called to be members of one another. This means that our embracing or rejection of the truth can either help build one another up or put ourselves and others at quite honestly unnecessary risk. Let's take a moment, though, to even dig down to something a little deeper, which is, well, what are we talking about when we talk about truth? Here again, Calvin offers something that might be helpful for us in what he calls general revelation. The way in which we are able to perceive what is true just by being aware that the sun rises and sets and the moon comes up and all that good stuff that happens in nature. As the name suggests, we might see certain things in nature and it just clicks for us. It makes sense. We're able to observe it. We're able to make certain truth statements about it. For example, this picture of a plant, we can make certain truth statements about that. We can learn certain truths about what is true about this plant. If you're like me, it may take more than one plant, though, to learn a truth about it, uh, and, and that is my fault against God's creation. But we can learn things about this plant. Without any special equipment or without any special knowledge, we can deduce certain facts about what is needed for this plant to grow. Another example of this might be this picture of a fire, which we also can understand without any special equipment or special knowledge. We might not know the exact scientific reasoning for why fires star or why they continue to burn, but we can know certain truths about them. That if we add dry wood, fire's going to be pretty good. We add something that's really wet or we dump a bucket of water on it, it is going to extinguish. These are truths, concrete truths about the world we live in that we can just pick up by being aware. As long as you're paying attention to what's happening around you, these are truths that you can pick up on. But sometimes we need a little more than just our senses to help us discern what is the truth. This is what Calvin would call then special revelation, knowledge and truth that is revealed by means outside of the natural world. I think a good example of this would, would be this picture. I don't know if anyone knows what it is a picture of. Uh, hint, it is a virus uh, under an electron microscope. Greek philosophers back in ancient times understood that some people were plagued with illnesses that were more severe than others, and that some diseases spread more quickly than others. But it almost wasn't until the end of the 19th century that people finally had the special knowledge, the specialized equipment to understand that a virus was the cause of this. It took some 
something more than just what you observe with your eyes and your senses. Likewise, from a theological perspective, Calvin would, of course, emphasize that the Bible is part of a critical tool in which we use to understand certain truths about God. That we can, of course, make certain truth statements about God from nature, but if we really want to understand God, if we really want to understand the truth about God, we have to turn to Scripture. Just as we can glean truths from the world using our senses, there are particular truths that can only be uncovered with some elbow grease and hard work. That's the kind of truths we're talking about this morning, which is important because then we have to ask ourselves where it is we are getting truth from, because that is just as important. What truths are we harboring in our hearts? Or perhaps the better question is this, is what metrics are we using to determine what is true and what is not true? We have to ask ourselves this question because we know that not all things are true. I think that just makes sense. We have to ask ourselves this question since not all things are true, and when we allow falsehood and lies to propagate without speaking truth, we then allow ourselves to fall away from the Christian life, the life of the heart of God. So when it comes to determining what is true and where we find truth, we should hold up whatever it is we are reading or watching or listening, whatever it is we are consuming to, against the words of Paul that we find in this letter in Ephesians. Is what we are consuming life-giving? Does it encourage the sharing of resources over greed? Does it encourage us to be imitators of a God who sacrificed themselves and breathed life into creation? Or is what we are consuming promoting ill talk or the speaking of evil against others? Does it encourage us to harbor bitterness or wrath? Does it purposefully invoke anger for the sake of having that clickbait title? If what we believe to be true embodies the latter questions, it might not be true. And it should be cast away or put off, as Paul would say. Friends, when we look around, it's clear that many, including those Christian folk, that there are many who hold on and share truths that they believe to be truths that are not life-giving and do not speak to the heart of God. In malice and in anger, they lash out. In greed, they spread falsehoods to make themselves more comfortable and deny the sacrifices of others. And especially in times such as these, we find that there are those who just want to do what they want to do. So they are willing to deny 
the sacrifices of others. Those who are trying to be imitators of the life-giving love of God. Therefore, it's up to us, those who do profess to follow the truth and life of Christ, to shine light brightly on these falsehoods, these untruths, these embracing of things that do not meet the metrics that Christ and Paul write about. Of course, there is a time and a place for everything under heaven, including conversations about hard things. But when we allow falsehood or misinformation to spread and discredit those who are working in the spirit of Christ, those such as public servants or volunteers, so on and so forth, we deny the very principle of life that supposedly marks the Christian life. Look, this morning I don't mean to get preachy, and yes, the irony there was intended, but I think we should end with the words of Paul, which I think are good for anyone to use as a moral compass, as a way to measure what it is we are consuming, to determine whether it is of the truth of God. Paul says, therefore, let us be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Friends, let us be imitators of God. Let us stand for this truth that is life-giving. Let us stand for truth and set aside all falsehoods, set aside those clickbait articles and sources that come from I don't know where. Let us stand for truth, the life-giving truth that sets us on the path to really being the hands and feet of our risen Lord, who gave of himself for the life of the world. The least we can do is stand for truth and embrace it, even if it makes us uncomfortable or forces us to change our plans makes us take a little bit of extra time doing something for the sake of someone else. For when we do, we live in the life and in the light of God. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.